Feel free to jump in anytime. Why? You were doing just fine. Hello, and welcome to Condensed Truth, the Essential X-Files podcast. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm Laura. And with us, we have our guest, a returning guest, David. Hello! Excited to be back. Welcome back. Welcome. I invited David on. You like Jack Black. (laughs) Let's talk Jack Black. You know, I feel like in today's day and age, we're allowed to have a list of those celebrities that we really hope aren't pedophiles. And Jack Black's on that list for me. Huge fan. Perfect. Mine's Scott Bakula, but yeah. We understand. <laughs> I mean, I guess I hope none of them are, but yeah, sure. <laughs> That's I mean, a ideally. Fair point, but. <laughs> but I mean, I know the reality is probably the opposite, but. Too many. Too many. They yeah. can't help having their eyes wide shut parties. God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, today we are talking DPO. Season 3, Episode 3, DPO. It aired October 6, 1995. It was written by Howard Gordon and directed by Kim Manners. Uh, The plot, very quickly. Mulder and Scully go to Connerville, Oklahoma to investigate some strange, lightning-related deaths. They find a burnout teen boy, Darren Peter Oswald, that has somehow got lightning powers, and he uses them to lash out at anyone who crosses him. As Darren tries to convince his crush slash woman he's stalking, who is his old teacher and boss's wife, to run away with him, Mulder and Scully try to stop him. Okay, first note, we have not recorded in a month, Yeah. so if we have any bloops and blips, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) I was on vacation. (laughs) The vacation, that's a story for another time. Uh, I just want to, first of all, second of all, I want to say this is an anti-budget car rental podcast now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Rental car companies are scams. They they usually are, but this one's especially scammy. If you doubt us, go to uh, the Consumer Affairs Reports, look at their reviews, notice all the one stars and all the people being charged extra hundreds of dollars, and rent (laughs) with Enterprise or Hertz. Anyone else. Just do it, please. Please, we beg of you. So. Onto the episode, I guess. We open at an arcade, and there's a pizza delivery guy playing Virtual Fighter. Seems normal enough. You're very ni- standard 90s night. Mm-hmm. You get off your shift with the pizza as a pizza delivery guy, and you go play Virtual Fighter. But this time, there is a burnout kid named Bar- Darren Oswald who insists that he was using that machine, actually. And you get into a fight, which is also somewhat normal. Except this pet kid has lightning powers. <laughs> Not normal. Ba-ba-bum. Not normal. Not normal. And he uh, he does kill the pizza guy. Yeah. And that's a really bad way to describe this opening. Because it was a really good opening. I thought it was really, really well shot and very exciting. And the mm-hmm. music. Because at, at one point, like, all the power goes out at the arcade. Except the jukebox comes back on. Which always, which immediately clues us on to something is odd. Mm-hmm. And starts playing the song. I think Ring the Bells by James, for the record. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Thank you. And the kid runs off and he gets in his car 
and he starts to drive away, but then his car stops and he starts like convulsing because he's uh, getting electrocuted somehow, some mysterious way. And we just see Darren Oswald just peering menacingly. Yeah. And Darren Oswald is played by one Giovanni Ribisi, a young Giovanni Ribisi. Mm -hmm. That's kind of exciting. I think Darren being a creep is going to be a recurring theme of this entire episode. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And also his friend Zero, played by Jack Black, as previously mentioned. Little baby Jack Black. He's so cute. He is. He's so, he's so, he he looks exactly the same. He does. Except younger, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the depth of his acting here to uh, play a stoner burnout is just speaks to, you know, how deep he can reach within himself to play people that are completely unlike who he is. Yeah, honestly, (laughs) honestly, this episode had like some of the best acting in it, I think, like. It like is a really creepy episode because like I think the like the conflict is like very real, um, very real mm-hmm. life, except for you know the lightning powers. But um, yeah, all of the acting in it was actually really, really good. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Definitely I agree. carried the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we get the credits, and then we have a little blurb in the next scene that lets us know that we are in Carnerville, Oklahoma. <laughs> which is a little bit north of Dallas mm-hmm. and southeast of Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. City. Yeah, east of it looked like a very small town from my uh, the the Google Maps I saw. Like, yeah, it looked like they may maybe had a stoplight, maybe didn't. Yeah, it's technically an unincorporated community, I think. Um, but yeah. Oh, okay. Scully's doing her autopsy. She looks great. They both look so great this episode. Very, very cute. And the coroner's like, I don't know why you're here. It looks like they died from lightning. I don't I don't know what y'all are looking for. <laughs> and Scully's like, oh, well, you know, I can't find any contact point. And that's odd. And he's like, okay, sure, but maybe the, the car got electrocuted. And then he got electrocuted via the car. Which, I don't know. Like, my understanding, I know it was a, it was like a court, like it was a, convertible but my understanding is that like when lightning strikes cars the cars kind of work as like a faraday cage mm-hmm. and direct the lightning around the car but you don't get electrocuted because it's not touching you it's touching the car right mm-hmm. the outer shell but anyway scully doesn't really have a good answer but she also is like something is weird i there's an odor here a paranormal bouquet as Mulder said in one episode mm-hmm and she she does rightly point out she says she says about 60 people die each year from lightning strikes and five have died here in the past couple months which is crazy high that is crazy high and then as she's making some good points we have the local sheriff butt in and his name is sheriff teller he is named after pin and teller actually uh apparently they were they were interested in doing an sh- episode but it didn't work out, which is such a... I want to watch the Pitt and Teller X-Files episode. Right. <laughs> there's there's I, an alternate universe where that was created. I feel like that's a 90s TV theme. Feature Pitt and Teller in an episode, right? Right. Yes. yes. X-Files deserves And also, that. like, there's, there's, there's such skeptics, too, that, like, they would just vibe with Scully so hard it would just be perfect. Mm-hmm. I could even see Teller sort of, like, 
non-verbally vibing with Mulder, though, like a conflict between the two, mirroring the conflict between Mulder That's, and Scully. Yes, we're writing this episode right now, Space so Yeah, exactly. Fan fiction, exactly. here we come. <laughs> In our, our self, self-produced X-Files episode. <laughs> with stick-figure animations. <laughs> but the sheriff is very rude. He's very rude. I hate the sheriff. I mean, I hate all cops, but like... <laughs> He's very rude. Fucking hate. It's also guy. like, it's it is like interesting because it's so fun because like half the time they have sheriffs where they're like, I'm at my wits end. Like if if you could fix anything here, like please do. And then you have this guy who's like, I don't know why you're here. I'm fed up. Like, no, why are y'all here? I do like just real quick. If we ignore the sheriff's misogyny, I think the parallel. A lot of like movies at the time would be like it's the local cop fighting against the FBI trying to ignore the local cop. Like that's a very common trope. Yeah. The reversal of that is kind of cool. But also mm-hmm. he's super unlikable for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And he's he's Awful. like, yeah. He's 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 lecturing Scully about lightning because he like eats breakfast We're with scientists. like these dudes. These scientists that like have a research facility for lightning up the road. This boy definitely took ivermectin. Yeah. So like meteorologists, <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah. I fucking hate him. He just like comes in and is all right, lady. Let me just fucking mansplain to you and not even let you get a word inside. Like yeah. On, mm. oh. And then Mulder and just then fucking stands there and lets him do it. Doesn't even come to Scully's defense, and she calls him out rightfully so on it. Okay. Mulder was kind okay, of enjoying all, it though. He was enjoying yeah, it. He, he thought shouldn't. it was kind of hot. But also, like, he does. she doesn't need him to save her. Like, what is no, he going to do? No, uh, but at least, like, um, try to defend her while this cop is just being awful to her. Like, yeah, she doesn't need it, but, like, he could say something. Like, he could try. Instead of just, like, I mean, letting yeah, this but... cop be an asshole to her. That's how I feel. Yeah, just a quick, you're being misogynistic call out. That's all it takes. <laughs> right, That's all it takes, right. Like, no, he, she doesn't need him to step in, but, like, obviously, he, this cop's not going to listen to anything a woman says, so, like, maybe the dude who's standing here should just be like, yo, that's enough. Like, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't disagree. I just think that, like, I don't know. Scully had it handled to a degree, you know? But she, after the cop leaves, she, she says, feel free to jump in at any time. And he goes, why? You were doing just fine. I thought that was kind of cute. <laughs> That made me it so mad. So <laughs> it was so I'm like, cute. You should drag him. He should have helped you. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes, they, they, queen. Had a, they, they had a lot of really cute moments this episode. They did. Also, as they're talking, like it's it's also so interesting because like it's it's always fun to see how different Scully is with like other people and Mulder. Because like with the the cop in the corner, she was like, you know, there is like something odd. Like this definitely is like there's not enough evidence to say it isn't lightning, but there is something weird about these cases. And then she gets to Mulder and she's like, why the hell are we here? <laughs> and she's just like, it's so fun because she, she, it's so much of her like personalities. I think she has to like defend Mulder's cause because she does see the value in it as someone who's like been up close and personal with weird events. But also she's just like, Mulder, why the hell are we here? <laughs> and, she says, uh, after all we've just been through and seen, referencing the previous episodes, which were mythology episodes, which I found kind of interesting because, like, most of the time the mythology, like, the Monster of the Weeks don't really reference the mythology, right? And 
it does feel like a line they put in because they knew people would complain that like they just had all these like big events happen and then they're like investigating some like electric boy in Oklahoma. But like it's episodic TV. Like that's part of the buy-in, in my opinion. So I wasn't mad about that line, but I was like, come we on. We got 20 more episodes for dense plot, guys. <laughs> yeah. Like she's just like, hopefully, surely you don't think this is government interference. And it's like, okay, yes, we I know the mythology just happened. I understand how TV works. Like, let's just investigate this lightning boy. But yeah, apparently I think I think they got some like pushback from the fans when this episode debuted because they were like, what the hell? Like, just dropped all these big truth bombs and now you're just like off doing whatever again. Huh. And like pushback from fans in what context? Like this was early well, like, in the nineties for like message boards and stuff, right? Right, right. They uh they were on uh Usenet. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh they, they would talk to the the writers would sometimes go on the forums. So I think they kind of like or they at least they certainly had people that got on the forums, so he had some idea of like what the fan reaction was episode to episode. And uh yeah. And also like this is the point where like the mythology was still the strongest part of the show. And so they were like, let's talk about that more. And it's like, honey, you don't want more of that. <laughs> I think it's understandable if you like don't know kind of like where everything's going. Like I think it's understandable to feel that way. Cause like I think the beginning of season three is so strong. It's like, wait, I want more of that. Like Where's right, where's this right. going? Why are we just like in like fucking rural Oklahoma with Oklahoma. this like proto incel dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they go to the arcade where the boy died to investigate. I did want to say that in this shot there are very clearly mountains. I was gonna I was gonna call this out, yeah. <laughs> I love these this very Vancouver pine trees and like <laughs> Oklahoma mountains here because okay there are mountains in Oklahoma but a they're pretty small and then b mm -hmm. they are not near this area this area like Connorville is <laughs> actually like kind of in between like two like mountain ranges like the Wichita and like the ones the Ochita I think um but yeah mm -hmm. like there are technically mountains in Oklahoma but they are not that big <laughs> <laughs> yeah those look like uh real mountains not those things that like us call we, we down here call mountains right like <laughs> literally mount scott in oklahoma is like a lower elevation than my hometown <laughs> <laughs> so and uh M Mulder and scully are you know you know just doing some they're doing some hard-working investigative work you know and they're like okay well let's uh the only store open at this, like, because he, he was killed at, like, 1130. It's like, it was the arcade, so let's go to the arcade. And Mulder immediately just, like, leaves. He's just wandering around. Like, Scully goes to interview Zero, and he's just like, okay, well, I'm just gonna wander around. I'd like to believe he's having a connection with some old games from his childhood. Like, he's going, like, I remember <laughs> when I used to play this game back in the days of he young play, Fox like, Mulder. He's like, where's Pong? Where's, where's the Pong machine? <laughs> Do you all have Pong? Have you heard of Pong? <laughs> and Scully is talking to Jack Black, aka Zero, and it is so funny how bad Zero is at lying. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really funny. 
she's like, have you seen this boy? And he's like, no. And he's like, she, he just died like in that parking lot. And he's like standing at the booth. She was like, if you were here at this booth at that time, you would have seen the car right outside the window. And he's like, oh, that kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but it was like great acting of like a burnout who like is just trying to lie to the cops right. in the worst manner possible. And it's just so bad. I like how he's not even like lying about knowing his friend. He just starts <laughs> lying about seeing the person who died that everyone knows was at the arcade. <laughs> But right before he died, like, it was so funny. <laughs> and, but Mulder's, Mulder's wandering off does pay off because it is the X-Files. But he does <laughs> notice that there are some high scores with DPO at the time of the murder. And so he has Scully read off the names of the people who had been electrocuted. And there was one person who didn't die, and it was Darren Peter Oswald. So they're like, DPO, Darren Peter Oswald. That's our suspect. They're doing good, hard work here. Congrats to them. I would like to say this is, I don't know, I guess, like, impressive that someone put their actual initials on the high scoreboard instead of just, like, ass. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> A-A-A. The 90s yeah. were a different time, clearly. Right, right, because, like, yeah. And we have a quick scene uh, with Darren at the mechanic shop he works at running into a woman who he's very creepy towards. And the woman mm -hmm. seems to really not like him and be very uncomfortable with him. Extremely so. And we find out it is his boss's wife, Mrs. Kavit. Also, I love Mr. Kavit's a sorry. Oklahomans love to say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mr. Kavit's like, hey, Darren, the FBI's coming to uh, talk to you. And he's like, uh, okay. Okay. And, yeah, so then we have a quick scene with Mulder and Scully talking to Darren. And <laughs> during the scene, Mulder's pocket starts smoking. And Scully's like, what's in your pocket? He pulls out a cell phone, which is now smoking and leaking battery fluid and not good stuff and getting hot. So <laughs> get a little taste of Darren's powers. Uh, I do like how the show doesn't put a lot of effort into trying to explain exactly how their powers work. because. I don't understand how, like, he can't, he, he can, like, influence stuff without touching it, right? He controls electricity, but, like, it's kind of weird how he does, but also I don't need it to explain it to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, y'all have talked, I think, in the past about a number of times where they try and provide an explanation, and it's real bad, yeah. and it just takes you out of it. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes, yeah. why bother, right? Let it be fantasy, yeah. and just let, you he know, just enjoy the horror elements of it, you know? Exactly. Yeah, and I think like they do kind of try to explain it. Like later, Mulder's like his electrolyte levels, right? And I just thought that that was like really funny later on because that just <laughs> makes no fucking sense at all. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, just his high electrolyte levels. Like that's why he can conduct electricity. And it's like, what the fuck, yeah. Mulder? That makes no goddamn then... sense. <laughs> he should have breakfast with more scientists. That's what I think. Also, like how <laughs> he asks the... Scully. If she knows what electrolytes do in the body, like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. She went to medical okay, school. Okay, first of all, he didn't, he didn't say, like, do you know? He said, and what do electrolytes do? He, he knew that she knew the answer. Oh, you're right. 
I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like. Yeah, there's another point where we can flame the writers for you know <laughs> a little bit of handling Mulder and Scully a little bit, a little bit backwards, <laughs> but we'll get there. Howard Gordon, you're on notice. <laughs> we we cut to Darren's house and we meet his mother and she's watching some like Maury type show. It was a real throwback, honestly. <laughs> Like back when, like in the '90s, when like TV was like, let's have freaks be on TV and let's gawk at this, <laughs> and it's like, okay, <laughs> I guess we're doing this. And Darren keeps switching the channel on her through his electricity powers, but she seems like a not great mother, not very nurturing. We get a little insight into Darren's whole psyche through this window of his mother being not very nurturing. But Zero shows up and um. Darren's really irritated. I mean, like, I really like this episode because it is like, yeah, like, what if a proto-incel had electric powers? Which is very frightening. <laughs> yeah. But also it was this sort of, like, guy, like, you know, a guy with, like, not that much prospects. And we get this idea he's, like, maybe not super smart because, like, he was in remedial English and he still failed that. And so, like, yeah, like, you know, have a, a kid who struggled in school, who lives in a small town. Like, we're very much getting a lot of insight into, like, Darren as and his and why he would do some of the stuff he does, right? Mm-hmm. And so it has a good atmosphere to it, right? Like, this episode. Mm-hmm. And it uses a lot of, like, really, like, contemporary music that I think really does a lot of good setting the scene. I didn't recognize any of it because I don't know mm-hmm. anything about music. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. Unless they were going to play some yeah, country music, I, was- I would have known that. Yeah, I was going to say, they, the writers do do a good job with, like, his character, because, I mean, I've known a lot of, like, sort of, I mean, I'm from a small town, and so it's just, like, it does, there is that sort of, like, small town poverty, like, not really super smart, you don't really have a lot of, like, options in life. It's kind of that, like, small town vortex that, like, they actually, like, I think capture very well, like, how bad that can be for people (laughs) like yeah yeah it just it's yeah it can be like a really really awful influence in people's lives and there's a lot of like intersecting factors i mean like not to defend him because i hate him but right like there are a lot of they do i think do a good job of showing like some of the intersecting factors of why he is so angry because like i think he Mm -hmm. they capture his anger really well and like the anger that like that is present like and i think a lot of young men like then and now but especially like whenever you're kind of like really isolated in a small town and you know have been told you're dumb your entire life right right and completely written off i assume like even if you were smart it wouldn't matter because they just had already assumed that he was not smart mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a great point in just talking about how well the show displays right yeah. Why we should pity him, not empathize with him, but pity him, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Darren tells Zero. Hey, you know, I think you want to be someplace else right now, because I'm in the mood for a little barbecue. No, man, not the cows again. And he walks into a field of cows, and I had a note for this. Hold on. <laughs> what the fuck? This was honestly one of the most comical scenes of the entire episode for me. Just <laughs> randomly, I'm gonna kill some cows. I just like not how... cow tipping. I've moved on to cow electrocution. Let's go. Right. 
Like, it's so small town, and just the way that Zero's just like, man, fuck, not again. (laughs) (laughs) How he rolls down that hill. (laughs) They captured, like, a burnout who suddenly got powers so well, and, like, they were like, he would immediately try to electrocute man. (laughs) (laughs) But, so, okay, so, this is from my, uh, my season three book. So it says, the old farmhouse featured as Darren's home is owned by a 94-year-old man named Vin, shout out to Vin, who also let the producers use his cows as extras. When location manager Todd Pitson assured him he'd be paid for the use of the cows, Vin, who keeps them, the beast merely as pets, simply shrugged and responded, they're here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> also, apparently this was used in Jumanji. Really? So, that's cool, yeah. I didn't know Jumanji shot in Vancouver, I guess. Oh. Tax breaks. I think I can, I can see it now that I know it. Yeah, I don't remember Jumanji at all, so. I remember them, like, being in, like, a normal suburban neighborhood for a lot of it. Kind of? I don't know. This isn't the Jumanji podcast. I didn't have to prepare for this. There is the, the, the connection between Jack Black being in the new Jumanji and <gasps> this, though. It's all connected. <laughs> it's all connected. There you go. It's the Jumanji <laughs> multiverse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's the next day, and there are three dead cows, and the sheriff is taking them for some reason. I don't understand how this is the sheriff's jur- jurisdiction. If it's your cows, you take care of them, right? You just you pay somebody else to take care of your dead cows. I don't know why the sheriff's here. Maybe because of all the other lightning crimes, but anyway. Maybe that's just how small town sheriffs do. Like they just it, they gotta go find whatever's right. happening and be like, "Hey, what's up? Your cow said." Same. Like maybe the sheriff was like the only one with like a trailer or something. But like they're in the middle. They're in the country. Like everyone has a trailer. Like there's. I feel like multiple people would be able to exactly. take care of these cows. The sheriff starts to condescendingly explain lightning to them again, and Wilder cuts him off because he has done some research into lightning. In the meantime. And he does, he says, has like a, you know, did my research (laughs) kind of like quip at him. And here's the thing, Laura, are you on the same page with me that that should have absolutely have been Scully's quip from like a better writing perspective? Like, shouldn't we have given that quip to Scully? Right. She got snapped at time to snap back. I think so, because it would have been like, yeah, it would have been like a good old fuck you to this asshole misogynistic cop. Um, Yeah. I mean, it, like, it's fine coming from Mulder. Like, I, it was still funny, and it's always nice seeing a cop get shut down, right? But, like, yeah, I think it would have been more satisfying if it came from Scully. I think so, Yeah, too. I can kind of, I kind of see that. I, I think, I think with Mulder, it kind of has this, like, with Scully, I feel like if, if she said it, there would be, like, this, a little bit of this element of, like, validating that she was wrong in the first place. I don't know. Maybe that's kind of a stretch, but I le- I kind of agree with y'all, but I do like Mulder's little quip of like, you know, I did my research. It was a good quip either way, but. <laughs> right. It's a good Mulder quip, but yeah. Yeah, I agree with David. Also, I just want to say that all the X-Files writers give off big reading lots of Wikipedia articles, which is funny because Wikipedia didn't exist then. <laughs> but they, they, they all just have massive like, oh yeah, the other day I was reading about lightning. <laughs> With their, like, Britannia Encyclopedia online subscription from the 90s. <laughs> yeah, they're using their, like, uh, their modem internet to, like... <laughs> like 
Yeah. Google stuff. <laughs> or, or I guess. Google didn't exist. What was the proto Google? Yahoo? Net, I don't know. Ask Jeeves? Maybe. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> yeah, Ask it didn't Jeeves. exist until 98. And so I'm trying to think yeah. of what, the, their, what they loaded up on their Netscape Explorer or whatever. <laughs> Alta Vista? <laughs> They, they find a fulgurite, and it shows an imprint in the fulgurite, which is, uh, it's when lightning strikes sand, and it's so hot that it causes glass to form and, like, fuse, right? And they find, but they find a shoe print, which is very peculiar. Mm-hmm. And so they, they take it, and Scully, Scully gets to work in her little cute, her cute little outfit, her cute little lab coat, and she takes an imprint of the shoe. And I really like this scene because it was like they had great little back and forth. Like we even got a Scully mm-hmm. smile. And yeah. I love Scully smile. And Me she too. also finds antifreeze in the folder, right? Which points to Oswald. We then have we cut to Darren and he's doing his favorite. What I presume is his favorite hobby. Messing with traffic lights to <laughs> see if he can get cars to crash. God, what? God. And and this is where. And Zero comes to hang out with him while he's trying to crash cars. <laughs> they just, they really got the burnout with lightning powers so perfect in this <laughs> It's crazy how perfect they got it. Like, of course, that's what he would be doing. So we find out Mrs. Kavit was Darren's remedial English teacher in this scene because Zero comes and he talks to him. And he's trying to talk sense to Darren. And, and I think this was a really good scene. I thought, I thought Zero was being a good friend when he was like, you don't have a chance. Like, but he also like, he didn't say it in like a super mean way in the sense of like, because like the real thing, it's like, she was your teacher. She is your boss's wife. You have zero chance. He was just like, she needs a, a guy who can fix things. And all you do is destroy things. Which I feel like is a nicer way to put that. <laughs> Zero was remarkably supportive in this episode. He just picked the wrong person to be supportive of. And maybe exactly. it was like, you know, a different circle. Maybe that's not the case you know, three months in the past or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, he was always going to be sort of the unfortunate patsy of the episode in a sense. Mm-hmm. Totally. I also appreciated his enterprising mindset of, well, we got to take these electricity skills to Vegas. Exactly. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think it also speaks to, I think, these sorts of friendships that form in like really small towns whenever you're like kind of even like ostracized within a small community because like, you know, he's, like, Derek's, like, pretty obviously, like, a shitty person, right? Um, But, like, Zero is such a loyal friend to him because, like, I think they're both kind of, like, the loser burnout outcasts together. And so, like, even though, like, Zero seems like a pretty good person who is, like, genuinely upset by some of the bad things that Derek is doing, he's still kind of this, like, loyal friend to his shitty friend because like they've been through so much together i think that's that's really interesting like because like that's something that i don't think people always understand about small towns or like just like the friendships that form in them they're like really kind of complicated that way like i've i've known Mm. a lot of i've had i've had friends who are pretty shitty or like some of my friends friends were pretty shitty but like there's this weird loyalty there of having been like ostracized together so like even and almost feeling like justified in his actions because of like the bullying and the ostracization that i think that they both face 
Um, I think, yeah, mm-hmm. this dynamic is really interesting and insightful. I mean, bad. I still think, like, you know, <laughs> like, if your friend's murdering people, and you should probably call them out on it. Right. But, um, mm-hmm. And and especially, like, in high school, it's, like, very much, like, a friendship of convenience, you know? Like, they're the people around. you got to find what you can get. And that is kind of, like, Zero and Darren, for sure. Mm-hmm. But he does, Darren does mm-hmm. finally, after a few false starts, finally manages to get some cars to crash into each other. I'm calling him Derek. Oh, did I? (laughs) Darren. (laughs) Wait, is it Derek or is it Darren? Is it Derek? It's Darren. Darren. I've been calling him Derek. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) No, he was named after Darren Morgan, for sure. Yeah, that's what I was... And especially, it's spelled the same, too. It's me. I've never seen that spelling of Darren. (laughs) Right, and like part of me was just like, wait, no, it can't be Darren because I'm thinking of Darren Morgan, so it has to be Darren. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. <laughs> it's fine. As I, as I said earlier, we haven't recorded in a month. Right. I'm rusty. <laughs> so Mulder and Scully go to Darren's house slash room to find out if, if he also wears eight and a half shoes, which is the shoe print they got from the Fulbright. And it's, it's interesting, his mother is like, he wouldn't hurt a fly. And he's like, oh, he's been hurting more than flies. Uh, so <laughs> very much like his old mother barely understands him. Scully's looking around and, and Mulder immediately grabs the uh, the porno mag there. Very on brand for him. Very on brand. <laughs> and I did love the, the quip Scully does. <laughs> she says, I'm surprised you haven't read that issue already. <laughs> Oh, I have. Oh, I have, he says. <laughs> he was very quick to correct her. <laughs> yep, yep. I'd also like to point out that truly remarkable they were able to get a warrant to go into this guy's bedroom. Presumably they didn't, and the mom was just like, I don't really care yeah. about my son's rights enough. You can, by all means, search his room. He's it's innocent. Cool. He's innocent. It's cool, government. And they do find a picture of Mrs. Kivit, which clues them into that whole saga that they haven't been aware of so far. Mr. Kavit gets called to tow the cars there wrecked. Very convenient for Darren. And Mr. Kavit starts to have a heart attack because Darren is causing him to have a heart attack. So the, the EMTs who are there uh, go to try to re- revive him with a defibr- defibrillator, but it's not working. Again, Darren. <laughs> and Darren uses his lightning powers to revive his boss. It's very, it's it's so interesting. It's such, it's so showy. Like it is so obvious that like he has powers that are not normal, <laughs> and, and like he is like just like the kind of kid who is so foolhardy that he can just he just thinks he can do this and get away with it, right? Yeah, it's like sh- really showing his arrogance. I felt like you know, yeah, like just give him a heart attack and let the EMTs revive him with a defibrillator. You don't need to <laughs> make two defibrillators not work. <laughs> yeah and so uh mr kavit goes to the hospital and mrs kavit's there and she's very stressed and and Mulder tries to talk to her about darren and she's just like i'm not doing this i can't do this and this is also the scene where <laughs> Mulder asks scully what electrolytes do <laughs> what do electrolytes do <laughs> incredible but this is the scene where we get Mulder's big brain idea that darren is electricity very big brain. Even for him, I feel like. He's on that galaxy brain level. 
he's 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 on a plane that we can hardly understand. But they go to Darren's house and they find him and they take him to jail to investigate him. Or like, you know, interrogate him, I guess. But they don't have anything to charge him with because you can't just say this this boy has electric powers. That's not that's not good police work. So they go to Mrs. Kavit to ask for her help. And then we get Mrs. Kavit's kind of side of the story before we had we've only really got Darren's before this and we finally get Mrs. Kavit's and we can really tell Helen Mike like how much this is unsettling her. And like it's I, I thought this was this was really good that it was like it showed her and been like this this I was just nice to this kid. I taught him and I felt bad for him and I was nice. It was like the first time anyone had been nice to him and he he took it the wrong way. I was just trying to be nice. Ooh, boy, is it real. It's something that I think is recurring over the episode, a theme of how, you know, she feels bad, but her actions are sometimes, you know, enabling and toxic. Not that she's trying to be right. This is not to, right. to victim blame or anything like that, but um, just saying that it's hard for people in those circumstances to make decisions that are always going to be proactive. That's a very hard position to be put in. And I think the show shows that very mm-hmm. well over the course of the episode. Yeah, totally. Yeah, having been kind of stalked before, um, that shit sucks. Um, yeah. Like, it's, yeah. yeah, it's, like, this plot line is actually, I think, really real, like, really real life. Like, that's why I think this episode is actually really good and kind of really scary is because it is, like, so based in reality. Like, these people do exist. Like, people like Darren and Mrs. Kavit, and that is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Like, what if your creepy stalker boy got superpowers? I mean, and <laughs> not that, like, that's, like, that out of the, the necessary, right? Like, like it is, like, I think it, it, it did a really good job. I'm not being the most eloquent here, but I think it did a really good job of showing that, like, you know, she's, like, she says she was scared of what he would do to her and what he would do to her mm-hmm. husband. And it's like right. that's that that could be true before he even got lightning powers. Like that, yeah, that is a real fear there. And I think that the X Files to show something like that is like actually pretty pretty interesting, pretty raw. I was gonna say, do either of you know if that was something that was you know commonly shown on television at that time period? I know we've seen a lot more sure. stuff now, but I can't think of um, anything earlier um, than this. I mean, I imagine like there were like some sort of Law and Order episodes um or like i don't know there's i i could imagine it i yeah yeah and there's like you know always been like sort of media made about like obsessions and like obsessive people and so like i do think that like these storylines did exist probably before but i don't know like yeah exactly i was just wondering like on on this kind of stage of television Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah for sure and um and and even when Mrs. Kavit says she says like she says she started getting weird phone calls and she said she knew they were Darren because the same feelings she got on the phone calls were when she when he looked at her. Oh and my god, that was god. really interesting because that was unrelated to his powers. Yes, that is so real. Like I I have felt that like that is so real. Like sometimes like you can't explain it. You just know like that feeling is the same, and it's like a pit opens up in your stomach and it's just like fear. Like 
Mm-hmm. It, that was like honestly like one of the best lines because it's just like that is that is that is how it feels like you don't always like know for sure like there, she has no way to actually prove that it was him but like it was absolutely mm-hmm. him and and crucially in this scene she tells she tells Mulder and Scully that Darren told her that he had dangerous powers and that she didn't really believe him until that thing happened to her husband and so like they were like okay like we don't have any evidence but we do have her testimony and so maybe we can put Darren in prison. We can like this can be the charge against him, right? Yeah, great constructive decision. I I would say exactly. They're trying like mm-hmm. okay, like if this is what we have to put him away, that like this is what we have, you know. Mm-hmm. But then of course our nemesis, this that fucking DM sheriff, sheriff. <laughs> he had let he let him go, <laughs> and so Oswald's free when they just promised. Mrs. Kavit, that he was locked up and he couldn't hurt her. And the the stupid-ass sheriff let him go. Underrated moment from that scene, I thought. Um, Sort of setting up the third act. uh, Set piece. There is a really good moment of recognition where the sheriff still thinks they're crazy, but he does recognize the authentic emotions on... Mulder and Scully's faces and the need to prevent, protect Mrs. Kavit, right? And mm-hmm. they do a really good job of showing that where he sort of has that I realized I yeah. fucked up kind of moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, not, yeah. that, not that he hasn't fucked up, but I thought it was um, a really key moment for the final set piece of the episode. Yeah, totally. And, and I did think, like, as much as he's a jackass, it is, like, kind of fun to have somebody arguing Scully's a point to her right like to have someone so skeptical like beyond her um i really like that as much as like everything else about him was annoying and awful (laughs) it was like what if scully was bad actually (laughs) i think we'd like the sheriff as a villain villain sort of as an antagonist maybe Mm -hmm. in this episode a lot more if he wasn't so patronizing to scully Mm -hmm. yes specifically scully and not to Mulder. right (laughs) right that's what rubs us the wrong way so hard but maybe that was also intentional. Everyone's always mean to Mulder. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and we we then have Zero closing the arcade for the night. But then the same thing that happened in the opening happens again. And that the jukebox and the virtual fighter machines stay on after he turns off the power. And Zero knows what's happening. He's, he's just shouting like he doesn't know where Darren is. He just keeps shouting like, come on, man. I didn't tell them. I didn't tell them. I wouldn't tell them. And he, he goes outside to look for Darren. And he gets electrocuted, and his his quarters fall in front of him. In <laughs> a very very dramatic shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Also, tenacious deconnection in this moment. So the song that comes on is "Hey Man, Nice Shot" by Filter. Our tenacious D filter connection, combining things in the episode, I guess. Yes, exactly. John Spiker was actually the who is the bass player for Tenacious D was briefly the bass player for Filter as well. This was like oh. 10, 15 years after the episode came out. So probably <laughs> didn't give him the rights to the song or anything, but kind of interesting yeah. that, you know, weird little connections. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And R.I.P. to Zero. We all knew he was going to die, but it still hurt. Right. We missed you, bud. Yeah. We missed you. And Mulder and Scully zoom off to the hospital to let. Mrs. Kavit, Sharon, no. She's in trouble. And then her husband's in trouble. And when they get there, 
all the hospital lights go out and the elevator starts to come up. And Mulder and Scully, very briefly, pointing their guns at the elevator. But when it opens, it's Zero's body. The effort to take Zero's body all the way to the hospital <laughs> just to I show know. Both. <laughs> I yes, know. Yeah. through the entrance, holding a corpse, like, don't worry, I work here. <laughs> I'm imagining a reverse <laughs> version of nine to five where they're taking the corpse out of the hospital this is yes. taking the corpse into the hospital with all of darren's like he's so subtle you have no idea that he's crazy he definitely pulled it off somehow got jack black's body into the elevator just for the moment of like maybe they'll be scared of me darren lives for the drama apparently i i wish that man had a tiktok if only if only and <laughs> yeah so Mulder goes down to the stairwell to find Darren but Darren is already on the floor I'm not sure exactly how he snuck through but that's fine I was thinking he would like hide at the stairwell up but they were on the top floor so Storm can, can use for lightning to levitate sort of like maybe yeah. maybe Darren <laughs> can do that too it doesn't need we, we, it's fine we're okay <laughs> yeah it's yeah, the yeah, electrolyte totally. <laughs> see it's his electrolytes exactly he drank a Gatorade and it gave him wings or whatever. There you go. <laughs> and so Darren tries to find Mrs. Gavit, but Scully is protecting her in her, her little powerful stance. She's got her gun ready and everything. And they're arguing and they're, you know, trying to, you know, she's she's like, stop. Like, it's, it's interesting because I feel like I do think that if this was if this was Mulder pointing his gun at Darren, I think Darren wouldn't have hesitated to kill him at all, right? Mm -hmm. But I do think with Darren's like weird thing with women, he doesn't want to kill Scully. Mm -hmm. That's sort of my, like, that's just a theory of mine. It's not really like in the text, I, so to speak. Yeah, no, I get where you're coming from, though. It's like, it's like, um, it's like a weird, like people who are like, it's like a weird obsession, but also like mm. it's not out of respect, but it's like no, absolutely, like absolutely they not. They think it's respect. They think it's respect. Yeah, they think it's respect, but it's really like out of like a possession almost. And so it's like there's mm -hmm. more. We're just like not seeing women as people, right? Exactly. And so there's almost like more hesitation there, um, because like Scully could be a you know an object. Right, that's useful like, to him. Uh, even though of, she has, yeah, yeah, even though she has like a gun pointed at him, you know. Yeah, even though she has a gun pointed at him, I think to him, like, um, like I think if we're getting into like the incel mind, like he still sees himself as a protector, mm -hmm. right? Right. Yeah. She doesn't. He 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 can't see her as powerful and capable yeah. on her own. So I don't think she, I don't think he sees her as yeah. a threat. Yeah. Honestly. No, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You said it better than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just. Just doing some deep dives into the incel mind. God. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> uh, no, this is only because I had an argument. I had this like exact argument with a stranger <laughs> once at a bar. Fine. That yes, must have been enjoyable. it was my birthday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept trying to yell at him and I was like a little drunk, right? I just kept trying to Love explain you. to him. He actually didn't see women as people, even though he kept insisting that he loved him. I'm like, you don't no. love them. Idea <laughs> of the idea them. of yeah. them. <laughs> you don't see them as people. You just see them as Objects. like 
entities yeah. that you're supposed to engage with in a very specific Objects way. Objects that you project, project your wants anyway. and needs onto. <laughs> exactly. But then, because Sharon is too nice oh my God. and too empathetic towards Darren, Mrs. Kavit steps between <laughs> Skelly and her gun <laughs> and Darren. And and Scully says, like, we no, you don't need to do this. Like, we can t- we can handle this. Mm-hmm. We can we can sort this out. And she's like, no, we can't. But she probably has a point, right? I don't think she should go with him, but I think she has a point that like Darren isn't going to like right, be reasoned right. with. No, I, I agree with you because it's not like Sharon is it's not like this is the right answer, right? But like also like Darren's not going to listen to Scully and it's not going to get resolved how it's going. Like, yeah. Like, she is right, but also, right. like, this is not a good answer either. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To lose-lose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to point out, like, leading up to this scene, right, they send, like, okay, he's not coming up the elevator, so they send Mulder down with a gun down the stairs to do his usual Mulder, like, take care of him kind of scene. <laughs> it shot really well. I love the red lighting there. And the fact that it was all sort of a fake out, uh, the red mm-hmm. lighting for the red herring kind of thing. Uh, I thought it was a really, really good call. I, I really loved that. I like the whole third act of this episode a lot, mm-hmm. and that's part of it. Mm-hmm. 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 And allowing Scully to have that confrontation with the incel antagonist, I think, is was also just a great choice for writing perspective. Yeah, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. Like this, like <laughs> the two, the, the the dichotomy of women in this scene of like. Strong, capable Scully, like scared about her mind, Mrs. Kiwi, right? If it had just become a testosterone match there with Mulder and Darren, it, that would have mm-hmm. taken away from the, the power of the episode. So I'm glad they didn't do that. Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree. And we have Mrs. Kiwi and Darren, and they're holding hands. Uh, he's he's grabbing her <laughs> hand. She's not holding his hand. They make that very clear. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> it was a bit awkward, but I didn't pick up on that. You know, but yeah, they like right. make it very clear that her fingers are like straight and he's like squishing them. Yeah, yeah. And he says, You were the only person who was ever nice to me. You know that. Which like one, I don't think that's true. Like as rough as a life as you had, like you're trying to tell me that like Zira wasn't nice to you, right? Right. Which is also like it's you're the only woman who's ever been nice to me. Maybe. I don't know. Like, obviously, like, his mom isn't the nicest person around. But, like, yeah, <laughs> I can't. Like, the very, only woman he's inselly. ever been attracted to that's been nice to him? I don't know. I just... That could be. I fucking hate the, like, oh, well, you're the only person who's ever been nice to me. It's just, like, why am yeah. I being punished it, for trying to treat you like a person? It's a gross manipulative line yeah. that has used, yeah. been used a lot. And we all know that. Yeah, yeah. I will say, in his head at this point, he did think that Zero had been narking on him to the FBI, so he could have... Yeah. I mean, he did just kill the guy, right? Uh, and wasn't um, quite bright enough to figure out that maybe it was him being a human defibrillator uh, <laughs> that gave it away, and it definitely must have been Zero, who's been nothing but supportive. So Exactly. I don't know. Yeah, and, and I, I, like, my guess is uh, the way the situation played out is that, like, Mrs. Kavit felt bad for him, was nice to him. Darren misinterpreted that as romance, right? Like, conflating being nice to somebody and romance. But yeah, for sure. Uh, This this is, (laughs) it's like, it's so, like, obviously, like, the the core of, like, 
the incel mindset has always existed, but it is really fascinating how much this episode hits on right. it when they like don't technically right. exist at this well, point. Well, and I think it also speaks to the like nice guy because it's not this type of like conflation isn't just to like incels. Like, I we're kind of like like mm-hmm, equating mm-hmm. it with like the worst factor, which is incels, but like there's a much larger group of men who do this who I think identify, not necessarily identify, but like are like, you know, quote unquote nice guys. Like that that yeah, do totally. this like all the fucking time. Like all the time. <laughs> like exactly. exactly. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking from personal experience, having just been nice to someone and then <laughs> them conflate all of their romantic feelings onto me. But like, yeah, that's yeah. like why do why do they do this? Why? Because they're their protectors. They need someone to protect about their masculinity, right? It's this idea that like they need to care for someone. Like there 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 needs to be somebody to take care of. I don't know. But but I the person who plays uh, the woman who plays Mrs. Kivy, I don't I have no idea. <laughs> The the woman who plays Mrs. Kavit, who I didn't write down her name, she's so she's good. So good. This. Like she's so terrified. She's so she terrified. I feel like does such a great job. Like from that first scene in the garage, like throughout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really hard. Like I think if there's like this one point where I feel like I I there's something about Darren's face that makes me think that he realizes how terrified she is of him. But then, like, I feel like it's immediately gone again, right? Like, I think there's, like, this sliver of, like, when he's, like, picking out cars, mm-hmm. he's like, well, what about a Taurus? <laughs> and, like, I think he kind of understands she's terrified mm-hmm. of him, but then he's also just like, this is normal. Maybe he thinks that she, her face means that he's not picking out a nice enough car, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He's yeah. He's not giving yeah. her the materialistic validation that she wants. Mm-hmm. Completely missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, but the whole time she's just like, where are you taking me? Yeah, where me? are we going? Where are you taking me? Where are we going? Yeah. She's just like, wherever you want. She's Back to like, my husband, please. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also like the shout out to the Ford Taurus there. In my mind, he was going to steal <laughs> Mulder and Scully's car. <laughs> <laughs> the rental car. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Mulder and Scully rent from budget i'll just say that i think they rent from what's that one lariat i don't know if it still exists but i think that's the one they rented from all the time you know if their cars always worked it's not from budget (laughs) it wasn't a seat of them with a flat tire gully what's the bolt lock (laughs) exactly and um, but then our our nemesis shows up and has a mini. I wouldn't say redemption necessarily, but he's at least trying to do something. He realized good. he fucked up. Like he sucks, but he's at least like, oh yeah. shit, oops, right? <laughs> yes, whoops. Uh, maybe I don't believe the lightning part, but this guy is definitely stalking this woman. So while Darren is talking to the sheriff, Sherrod very wisely runs away. Go go go, girl, mm-hmm. go. And Darren chases after her, and she's running, and we we have this a, a very a good a very good fake out where she gets grabbed, but it's Mulder. God, <laughs> which like, ooh, I guess it's kind of what he needed to do because he like grabs her mouth so she doesn't yell, and then he's just like, uh, right, 
Okay. Right. Like, like I understand why he needed to grab her that way, but also, like, holy <laughs> shit, this poor woman. <laughs> Yikes. Yes. Yes. She's really going through it. God. You know, he's yelling at the cop. And the cop's yelling at him. And he's just like, come on, you know. And Darren kills the cop. And um, Darren kind of falls down. Um, I think he falls down after he got, yeah. He falls down after he does his electric powers. And I love how the second the electric thing's gone, like, Scully crests the little hill. And she's like, what happened? <laughs> she's so cute. <laughs> just like, what they're I just like, she's not getting this one. <laughs> she's not seeing this. <laughs> and then we have the, the end scene where they're, you know, they capture Darren. And Darren is in a psychiatric facility watching TV. Um flipping through the channels, and they're playing a song by the Vandals, mm-hmm. which is the shirt he had been wearing the whole Very subtle. Show. Yeah. <laughs> and I, there was a very classic, like, you can see the, you, the cameras on the TV, and then it shows, created by Chris Carter, the end screen for an X-Files episode. You can see his reflection. It's a little bit meta. Is he watching the X-Files? Are we watching him watch the, <laughs> you know, like, how does this go? Like it. It's a nice touch. Yeah, I like that too. Also, quick Tenacious D alert. Okay. Okay. How is Tenacious D connected to the Vandals? Yes. I Well, in case in case you're not familiar as obviously uh, <laughs> it's common knowledge, I'm sure. But <laughs> I didn't look this up for this episode or anything like that, but uh, Jack Black and Kyle <laughs> Gast actually did some backing vocals on uh, the Vandals 2000 album. Look what I almost stepped in. So again, oh, after the episode hmm. But you're just like a wellspring of tenacious knowledge. I was not expecting this. I I wish I knew more. I wish I knew more. (laughs) Like, I know Jack Black is in this episode, but I wasn't expecting this much tenacious D. Listen, the amount of times I was watching the episode and Kickapoo started playing through my head uh, at least twice. (laughs) Where's Meatloaf? I don't see Meatloaf. (laughs) But that was the episode. So, we go on to our segment. Or did y'all have any final thoughts you wanted to say? One final thought. I just thought a cute uh, Mulder and Scully moment was towards the end. She's like, do you believe that, Scully? And she just looks at him. Like, they've reached that point of nonverbal communication. And he's like, yeah, neither <laughs> exactly. do I. It's like, <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah. And, yeah, so our segments. Agent Mulder. Shut up, Mulder. Damn it, Mulder! How annoying was Mulder this week? I'm going to give him a three. He didn't really do anything annoying because I wasn't bothered by him not defending Scully because I think she's a badass bitch and I think I think she handled it fine, you know? you know? There's something to be said to these misogynistic dudes, right? Anyway, I know my opinion doesn't shared by the rest of the <laughs> panel, but it is what it is. So, uh, Laura, do you want to sure, go Sure, I'll go next. Yeah, he gets a seven for me because I was really annoyed that he didn't come defend Scully whenever this cop was being an asshole to her. Not that she <laughs> needs his defense, but like just because you don't need it doesn't mean that it's not unwelcome or not appreciated or that you shouldn't step in. That's true. David, what's yours? I think a three for me as well. I thought that was the only thing that uh, um, annoyed me. I thought there were a lot of moments of Mulder being just a supportive human being. Not just to Scully, but to other people throughout the episode. Uh, mm-hmm. It really didn't. And he was also very aware of what was going on at that moment. 
I think when I was on previously for Beyond the Sea, it was just a lot of situational lack of awareness from Mulder mm-hmm. that yeah, came yeah. off really bad for me, which is why I had him at like an eight or something. Uh, he was never unaware or too much in his own head or whatever. I thought he was he was a yeah pretty pretty okay guy. Yeah. So just to remind the listeners, my baseline is five. So <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get you lower that than that one day, maybe. I know we are. I know there are some episodes where I feel like he's just going to really shine. I, I don't know. know. Jose Chung? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I don't think he's annoying. <laughs> so I think he's very cute. <laughs> and next we have... So uh, this must be the enigmatic Agent Scully. Scully's sassiest moment. Laura, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So I really enjoyed whenever she was taking the imprint of the shoe, like one of the like few sort of like forensic scenes we get in this episode, taking the imprint of the shoe and she's like kind of immediately giving a breakdown of it. Cause I think it's really funny in like forensic and like cop shows whenever we get like almost like, like really fast results on stuff like this. And you know, she's like, yeah, you know, like military boot, like men's like eight and a half. And Mulder's like, wow, like, that's really impressive. You know that just from this partial, because it's a partial shoe print, too. And she's like, it says it on the bottle. <laughs> yeah. I love and that. And she has that, like, she has that really cute scene where she's, like, side-eyeing mm-hmm. him. And she has, like, the faintest smile, as much mm-hmm. of a smile, like, as we ever get from Scully, really. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, you're so beautiful, it's, ma'am. It's some really fun, just, like, kind of just, like, not like ragging on Mulder, but like just really kind of like kind of just being like sarcastic towards him. I don't know. It was really great. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that moment. Yeah, it's a very fun <laughs> just like says so on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> he was about to be like, wow, I'm super impressed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, David, what's yours? Uh, we've already talked about it a little bit to death, uh, but the feel free to jump in there, right? Just getting attacked by the guy, mm-hmm. building up the rage, building up the rage. Boom. Stass right at Mulder for the release. Uh, he deserves it. it. It was, it was, yeah. uh, he, he did maybe the sassiest it. moment of the episode. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mine was one we didn't mention, but it's when she's after the sheriff lets uh, Oswald go and they're her, him and Scully are kind of going back and forth about it. And he's like, I read your report. It's nonsense. This idea he control control lightning like no and she he, and she says you said yourself sheriff even science can explain li- how lightning works mm-hmm. that <laughs> was so one. good get his ass yeah get him <laughs> <laughs> and so next we have our 90s moment welcome you've got mail david do you want to first i thought just um arcades just being in an <laughs> arcade the idea that yeah uh it's commonplace for people to go to an arcade uh i was just immediately thrown back um at the very start of the episode and it was kind of nice i really enjoyed it i remember arcades briefly from my childhood but it's been Mm -hmm. a long time since that was ever commonplace yeah i feel like the most i ever did arcades was like at cc's pizza yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) their little back room where they had like uh the car one and like maybe a fighting one and a couple other ones i used to love david busters as a kid uh, whenever, mm. but that was so expensive, right? You can't do that. That was like yeah, a birthday treat yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for me, it was the few arcade games that are in the bowling alley. Uh, uh, towards yeah, the like lobby. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. 
Laura, do you want to go next? Um, yeah, I mean, I was mine was also the same as David's. I was going to say arcades, um, just because, like, yeah, sense. they don't really they do exist now, but they aren't as widespread. Like arcades were really, really widespread mm-hmm. in the like eighties and nineties, and it's just like not a place you like go to hang out yeah. anymore. I feel like arcades now are also like geared more towards adults. Yeah. I feel like. Like, Dave and Buster's definitely has, like, a bit of an adulty totally, vibe. yeah. Um, or even, like, some local places around our undisclosed, like, uh, <laughs> Texas City um, have, uh, you know, some arcades and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, they, they always seem like, I think, like, you see kids there, obviously, but, like, I don't know. They it's serve like beer and stuff, adults. and it's yeah, not just the exactly. arcade, it's about the hanging out yeah. at a place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mine, mine is actually related to the arcade, but it isn't the arcade itself. It's the scene where Zero is manually rolling quarters. Yeah, <laughs> because I think if you worked at an arcade now, that would be a machine doing it. And also, I, they never have like an explicit scene, but I also sort of imagine Zero is also handing out quarters, which is also a machine. <laughs> Zero. Zero would be unemployable now. Zero. Just zero is the most 90 things about this episode. It's Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> some some motherfucker named Zero. <laughs> why uh that was the episode. And why I picked it. I'm gonna be honest. I think I mostly picked this because I think it was really fun that we get a young Jack Black and a young Gianna Gia uh Gianni, no. Giovanni Rubisi, yeah. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Coming in class. I said it earlier, so y'all know I can say yeah, it. Yeah, you can, you can. Yeah. This is an anti Italian violin. But yeah, like, it's mostly really fun to see them in a role, but like, honestly, it is really good. I think it's a really good episode. Um, it's not, I think it doesn't get a ton of cred in like the X Files circles. I would say largely because it's smushed between you know a two-parter mythology that's great and then another episode that's very fantastic mm-hmm. and so it's just sort of like yeah this is good it just kind of gets also like two incredible episodes about. like bookending it yeah but yeah it is really interesting i think it's it's really well made it's it's not the sharpest as far as uh explaining the powers but we don't need that <laughs> no i think i think the real like sort of conflict and and like this is actually like think one of the scarier episodes because like i think Mm -hmm. oh like yeah his like lightning powers whatever but like him as a person is like the real scary part yeah i totally agree so we hoped you liked the episode and we hope you enjoyed the our we hope you enjoyed the episode and we hope you enjoyed us discussing the episode which i feel like can be two different things right you can not enjoy the episode and enjoy us discussing it enjoyed the episode think we did a shit job so we hope i'm hoping both of those are both yes yes i enjoyed the episode yes i enjoyed y'all talking <laughs> about the episode anyway if you'd like to follow us on twitter you can follow us at condensed truth if you'd like to email us any questions or if you'd like to be on maybe you can email us at condensed truth pod at gmail.com and next week, or not next week, next time, next two weeks, in two weeks, in two weeks, we will be discussing season three, episode four, Clyde Ruckman's final repose. Hell yeah. It's going to yes. be good. And it's going to be good. We will have a guest. And we will have a guest. Uh, 
Our friend is coming on, and she's never seen an episode of The X-Files, which will also be really fun. No. <laughs> she <And> hasn't. <laughs> I think she's seen half of an episode. Probably. I think one day before class, I was probably talking about The X-Files. I know I was talking about The X-Files, and I was like, hey, let's like, watch this episode, then we had to go. <laughs> so we watched like, half an episode. We'll, uh, we will talk about this more, but Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose is my favorite X-Files episode. No qualifiers. It is my favorite. <laughs> I love it so much. So I'm supremely excited to talk about it. Finally. Finally. After all this time. We made it. We made it, Mama. We made it. <laughs> so, yes. We hope you tune in next time when we talk about Clyde Bruckman. And we hope you have a nice week. Have a nice chill Thursday. Yeah. And thank you to David. For yeah, thank on. you, David. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Always happy to talk about my boy Jablinski. So. <laughs> I feel like this might be the last time you come on because we're gonna re- we're quickly running out of episodes you've seen, right? <laughs> I am down to watch more X-Files. I told you at the start, okay. I'm excited for this podcast to watch, get to watch more of the show through y'all's eyes. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, exactly. So maybe you'll come back on. Yeah, so. maybe. It's a mystery. But I'm, I'm really excited for season three because we have some new guests. And we, we do. haven't had a new guest in quite yeah. a while. So really excited. We get to find more people's stories about the X-Files. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. It'd be like, their story is that, like, Shelby wouldn't stop talking about the X-Files. <laughs> and I felt compelled to watch it. I love it. <laughs> because if I didn't watch it, I was it was so out of context of, like, her just complaining about something. Your enthusiasm is infectious, Shelby. <laughs> That's one way to describe it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Some might describe it as bullying, I don't know. Um, well, we're uh, you're still friends with them, so I think they would describe it as infection. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, so, bye. Bye.